the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This program on AM 1170, The Answer, is sponsored by Allied Media Group. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Cause I'm TNT. I'm dynamite. TNT. And I will not fight. TNT. I'm a power load. <laughs> <laughs> Good evening and welcome to the Andrea K Show. Never fails. Never fails at all. Just when I'm dragging tail in here thinking I don't even have an, in, an ounce of energy to do something, I hear that intro music and it just pumps me up as well as just the, the opportunity to share this time with you all. And with Dijon Dillon in the booth, baby. Hey. Hey, you, you're going to keep your energy up because I know you got about a belly full of some Krispy Oh, I got creams. so much energy, Andrea. <laughs> yeah? You, you sh- brought me donuts. You brought more than one, so I've eaten more than one. <laughs> all right. So, and and I, you know what? I got to say, I'm glad when I got it, an engineer with me who's willing to partake because as much as I love my man Todd, DJ Carrot Sticks, lately he's been letting me down. It's like I'm trying to push the stuff on him and he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you my Nancy Reagan. I'm just saying no to the stuff. Okay, Um, I've been trying to say no to getting kind of sucked into this never ending battle going on between the crews and the Trump supporters. Lord have mercy. It just never seems like it's going to end. And I'm trying to keep a balanced approach to it. There's just are we ever going to be able to unite? What's going to happen? I am really hoping that somebody is going to get to this convention with twelve hundred and thirty seven legitimately earned delegates. So that we can prevent a whole lot of further delegate shenanigans that are going to be happening at the convention. Because so many anti-establishment people who are suddenly so in love with the establishment and all of their rules might be faced with a rude awakening of some rules games being played at the convention. Because, as I said on yesterday's show, the rules committee who came up with the rules in 2012 – those rules that are supposedly been in place aren't really in place because the rules committee is going to show up at the convention and they're going to decide which of the rules that everybody at the RNC level has been playing by, whether or not they're going to keep those rules or not. So it's all, all, all rules are meant to be broken, right? Seems like that's the, the, the way it is all along the way. I mean, every rule is made to be broken. What are rules about? Rules, whether it's, you know, criminal laws that are on the books or civil laws that are on the books, what they're meant to do is is control. That's what laws are. That's what rules are. They're meant to control society. That's what these rules are about. And I'm tired of being controlled by any centralized power. To me, so much at the heart of this, going back to my blog post about should, should this, can this political marriage be saved, is about fighting over nonsense. It's about two sides that probably should be together because the difference is we had a cruise 
rally here in San Diego last night. And one of the most important, it was really interesting to hear people coming from that rally because it was not as vicious as I'm seeing it in social media play out on, on Facebook and Twitter. And one of the most important comments to me that came from a supporter who went there who was undecided, somebody who's not sitting on social media all day said, you know, really, you know, he's hearing the same exact policy positions on a go forward basis from Cruz and from Trump. And I'm sitting there going, what's all this fighting about? Well, that doesn't mean that there aren't differences between the two. I think there are quite a few differences between the two. But but I'm thinking it's looking like more and more and more like there we better find some unity between these two. Get these groups together pre-convention because otherwise that rules committee is going to convene. And I think that we're going to see some shenanigans go down that are going to do everything but uh, unify the Cruz and the Trump supporters. Although, I don't know, maybe the rules committee will meet at the convention and they'll prove that uh, these rules couldn't be trusted. And maybe maybe at that point, the Trump and the Cruz supporters will unite, um, night together, maybe against who the establishment decides to pick at the convention. I could be wrong. Follow me on Twitter at Andrea K. Show. Go to my website, com, and check out the articles of my next guest, Matt Boyle. Um, managing editor from Breitbart because so all this talk about delegates and what's happening and whether or not Cruz is playing the game the way it should be played and whether or not Trump, you know, is actually has benefited more from the game and the delegates. It's also confusing at times to people. And I'm not an expert on, I don't pretend to be, but Matt Boyle, he's been following this. And he also wrote a great piece about this guy that Trump hired Manafort, Paul Manafort. I don't know who he is. You know, but uh, that's why I brought Matt on the show. Hey, Matt, welcome back to the Andrea K. Show. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, okay, so I started my monologue tonight, kind of a different riff on what I was talking about last night. But, you know, I, I always play by the rules if I can, I, you know, mm-hmm. um, particularly if they're laws that have consequences. But I'm also one of these people, and I was telling Gail Trotter this yesterday, I'm also one of these people that, you know, I, I will pull into a gas station against the arrows because, you know, I don't let some paint painted on the ground dictate my life for me. So, you know, I think that, you know, so many people arguing on the behalf of all these rules are arguing for them because they're conveniently serving them today with not really understanding that it may be hurting them down the road to embrace these rules. And to me, it's all politics as usual. However, it is the game. What happened in Colorado was decided and what was going to go down was decided back in March. I think that there's some merits to the criticisms for Trump not understanding the rules of the game and not playing by the rules. And I think it's been indicated that he gets it now by hiring this Paul Manafort guy. Some people say it's too little, too late. What's the word on this guy? And what are your thoughts on all of it to how Trump's handling it and the whole situation? Yeah, look, the situation in Colorado, look, the rules are the rules, right? And so, I mean, Ted Cruz didn't cheat the rules. I want to make that very clear. He won by playing by the rules and he won fair and square. The question in the debate here is over what should the rules be? And so um, what we saw in Colorado was that they did a series of conventions in each congressional district and then a state party convention at which delegates were decided. That kind of a process tends to benefit uh, people who are very active in their local and state Republican parties. So uh, it kind of helps to an extent uh, in some cases, you know, in many cases, a lot of the insider types and the activist types. Not necessarily, 
your Washington establishment wing of the Republican Party, but your your activist wing of the Republican Party, which is Ted Cruz's base, right? Right. Um, and so, uh, again, Ted Cruz played by the rules. I want to make that very clear. He did not cheat in Colorado. That is extraordinarily important. The question is, is while all these other states around the country are holding primaries and caucuses that are more inclusive and that bring in voters who are not necessarily day, day-to-day party activists, uh, you know, that actually involving the electorate in the election uh, is the right thing to do. And uh, ultimately, we saw in Colorado, and there's some other states that are doing this as well, Wyoming does things by convention, um, uh, North Dakota does, uh, there's, a, there's a handful of others as well, uh, where we've seen them decide that primaries and caucuses are not the way to go. Well, so yeah, and in fact, yeah, excuse me for interrupting, but yeah, in fact, there was there was op-ed pieces written before this right now, just like even back in February, I think the Denver Post wrote an article I mentioned on my show last night where they said that this was a mistake. They shouldn't have done this um, because, and then, you know, this, and then after they made the decision to take away the preferential poll, the GOP leader there couldn't give a viable explanation as to why other than, you know, well, we we just didn't want all these, you know, people flocking to the caucuses. So it's like, so you basically you're admitting that you did this. You changed these rules specifically to keep people away from coming and having their voice be heard. And when I yeah, when that when I read that, that bothered me. And to, and to me, I would ask and say, you're right. I don't think Cruz did anything that wasn't by the rules. But what I'm trying to get people to understand is whether you're a Cruz or a Trump supporter. That should bother you, in my opinion. Yeah, I think so. And I think that the, you know, the party has done a really bad job on a national level and in each of these states and explaining to the electorate what the rules are, even in primary states or caucus states, how the delegates are selected, all that kind of stuff. And again, the more complicated the process, the more hard it, uh, the harder it is to explain it to the average uh, the average voter and, and the more that you know, they can conf- right and the more that they can confuse people and overwhelm people with all the intricacies the easier it is for them to maintain control of the process and what right. I said to Gail last night is you know um, yes the rules are you know published for people you know the average American is out there working trying to put food on their table trying to you know keep their jobs going trying to figure out how they're going to you know juggle all their bills and and they're being mocked and ridiculed for the fact that they're not understanding of every little detail of the rules you know how about you know it, it almost it, it almost gives credence to the left who says that the Republican party likes to play with with voter rules in order to keep certain people away and 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 I believe that People who are saying, well, this is the way it's been for a long time. Well, you know, that's politics as usual. And part of the reason why Cruz and Trump, who are both considered the insurgents, have risen to the top is because people are tired of the politics as usual, Matt. They're tired of that. They view politics as usual as the problem. And right now, the Republican voters who felt betrayed after after what's gone down in the past two years, they have put this party under a microscope now. So even when they haven't done anything wrong now, people are thinking they are. And yeah, and we're working on, and uh, we don't have this fully together yet, but we're working on a uh, an in-depth look at the voter turnout data in 2016 in the Republican primaries. And, you know, again, in a year where millions more people are showing up to vote in caucus, uh, in, in these primaries, uh, in caucuses, it, 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 it makes no sense whatsoever for the party to, to, to shut that down. It really doesn't. It, it you know, regardless of who the, the the system that they created benefited. By the way, Trump, if he if he were in uh, involved in the rules, 
and, and understood them very well and had a grassroots operation in place there that was designed to to take advantage of them could have beaten Cruz just as badly as Cruz beat Trump there. This is not about who won. This is about the system and whether the rules are fair and whether they're inclusive. Right. And in a year, again, where we're seeing millions and millions of people involved in the process who haven't been before, which is really a promising thing for the Republican Party as a mm-hmm. whole, mm-hmm. And we're seeing millions more people show up and vote in Republican primaries. Again, when people vote in a primary, they're most likely to vote for that party's candidate in the in the general election, um, it's, 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 it's an investment of their time. They're, right. they're, you know, you know, for any person in the, in the country, I mean, very, very, uh, you know, uh, involved in the process when they go vote or they go caucus. And so then they, they, they tend to, and want to go and get involved in the general election. Right. And, and so we need turnout. Amazing numbers this cycle. And right. And re- enthusiasm. Right. They're turning people away. Enthusiasm is high. The crew supporters and the Republican Party need the Trump supporters. Now, the Republican Party, in my opinion, some of these hardcore establishment types who have already said they'd rather have Hillary than Trump, honestly, probably don't care whether or not they lose the Trump supporters in the end and, and literally would rather in order to maintain their own personal power, would probably rather have Hillary win. If you're just tuning in, this is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170. I'm talking to Matthew Boyle from Breitbart. Who was Paul Manafort and can he save Trump's ground game? Um, I, look, so Trump brought aboard this new guy called Paul, uh, his name is Paul Manafort, and uh, he's been around and doing these conventions and delegate uh, wrangling in Republican presidential politics for decades. And so back in 1976, he helped uh, Gerald Ford secure the Republican nomination against Ronald Reagan. Uh, and then and four years later in 1980, he helped Ronald Reagan secure the Republican nomination against George H.W. Bush and against um, uh, Howard Baker, among others. Uh, and one of the things that um, that Manafort was doing for Reagan, he was very, very strategic about this kind of thing, was in, in one specific case in Maine in 1980, he actually threw... The, uh, a whole bunch of Reagan voters over to Bush so that he could beat Howard Baker because Howard Baker was the bigger looming threat in the Republican primary that year. So, um, you know, when we start seeing these strategic decisions being made by the Trump campaign, which is, you know, what we saw in Michigan the other night at their convention was we saw uh, Michigan uh, in Michigan, we saw um, the Trump people team up with the the Ohio governor, John Kasich people uh, to deny Cruz a seat on the rules committee at the convention. That's when we're starting to see Trump really get organized on this front and have a strategy to win. Uh, When for the last several weeks here, we've noticed quite clearly uh, that the Trump campaign very clearly did not have, did not have a strategy at all for delegates or the convention did not have you know, everything together on that front. And they were just kind of hoping that they could blow everybody else out of the race, kind of like what Mitt Romney did in 2012. Right. And they've gotten close to that point. But, you know, again, as Napoleon said, when you're going to take Vienna, take Vienna. And, right. uh, and, and Donald Trump did not win Ohio. He did not win uh, certain other states around the country. He didn't win Alaska. He didn't win Maine. Um, you know, uh, the several states throughout the heartland, Cruz has won. This has been a hard fought election on both sides. Right. So Trump hasn't hasn't blown everybody out of the race. He hasn't won as decisively as before. So he has to get organized on this front. And, and he's been late to the party. And so the question becomes whether or not the installation of this new guy, Paul Manafort, 
and he's he, you know he's he, it, there does seem to be a little bit of tension inside the Trump campaign between mm-hmm. him and the campaign manager Corey Lewandowski as to who's kind of in charge. It seems like they're kind of both equally in charge of different parts of the, the operation. Right. But uh, the question is, is whether or not he's going to be able to get it together in time before the convention. I don't know the answer to that question. I don't think anybody does. We're yeah. going to have to watch it as it plays out. But it's quite clear they now are finally starting to employ a strategy, and we'll see that strategy uh, materialize in front of us in the, in the coming weeks. Well, it's going to be very interesting. And, you know, I actually think that um, early on, Back before the very first debate, I was asked by Craig Sewing here at the station who my dream ticket is. And I said, you know what? I don't think in those terms. I think in terms of, of practicality, in terms of what somebody's what the combination is of will and skill as well as electability. And I said early on, to me, the most promising ticket for a variety of reasons, combining all those elements between the two players, the will and skill. Um, expertise, background, and electability, the times that we're in right now, I said Trump Cruz with Trump at the top. Because to me, and I don't don't know if you saw these numbers coming out of Wisconsin, but the most interesting exit poll for me was the one to where the hashtag never cruise people was almost as high as the never Trump. And I really think that for, you know, I'm, I'm concerned because I really thought that if those two could have come together, it'd be a really winning ticket, you know, to to bring in as many people as possible under the tent combined, uh, you know, the expertise that Cruz has in terms of understanding government, uh, you know, Trump's ability to, you know, be charismatic, just so many different reasons. And I really wish that there was a way that those two could unify pre-convention because I just have a really nasty feeling that the reason why Kasich is still in is because he knows that the Rules Committee is going to turn overturn that eight-state minimum and they're going to hand it to Kasich and then everybody everybody's a loser at that point. And so many of the, the, you know, the people right now that are thinking that uh, crew supporters who are thinking, Oh, we got this. Our guy knows the ground game and he's playing the rules better than anybody might be in for a rude awakening. Do you think there's any possibility from what you hear? You're so on the ground in terms of everything that's going on with these campaigns more than, more than most. Do you think there's any chance that there could be unity between Trump and Cruz? Absolutely. Uh, actually, I, I think it's, it's it, look. They agree on a lot of things. Look, in in the middle of a presidential election, uh, things get nasty. Everybody knows that. Um, but I, I, you know, I would point you back to the 2008 Democratic primary, where Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton was probably the nastiest race ever, and now they're best of friends. Right? She went on to serve as the Secretary of State. Um, people uh, in politics, they fight and they fight dirty, and things get rough. And then when it's the you know, there's no more fight left to be had, then they come together and they, they unite around the things and they cut a deal. That's what Trump's known for. He's, he, you know, in fact, he was asked this question not too long ago in the middle of one of the nastiest stretches, I think. Uh, I think it was during the middle of the wives fight a few weeks ago um, where uh, he was asked, you know, is there a possibility that you guys could come together? And he goes, you know, crazier things have happened in politics. And he's right about that. Right. Crazier things have happened. I think that there, anything is possible at this point. And that's the thing that uh, I think leaves a lot of people around the country who've been invested in this process. Uh, you know, the uncertainty is not something that people like. It's right. not, it's not a, a, a healthy thing. They want to know what's going to happen. And I understand that. But that being said, anything can happen right now. We could see Marco come back and cut a deal with one of these guys. We could see Kayfitch work out a deal with somebody. We could see them drop in Paul Ryan at the convention, and oh, Ryan's out yeah. there adamantly denying it today. Well, yeah, but, right. Um. But ultimately, 
you know, anything can happen between now and the convention. And so I do think, though, that there's a lot that the Cruz and the Trump people could uh, could work together on. Uh, and they really would complement each other if they do work together. But I think they're going to have to get to that point where, you know, uh, it, 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 there isn't a pathway for the other one before they, they come to the table and negotiate that kind of a deal out. Right. Right. So we'll uh, and we're, we're, we're potentially getting close to that. <sighs> I don't know if we're there yet, but well, you know, uh, you when, know, we'll see what happens in New York. Next well, when we get to that, Matt. I'm going to call, have you call in the show and we're going to, we're going to celebrate over to, over the microphone with a glass of Champers because Champers <laughs> and a donut. I'm even going to invest in a bottle of Krug because I just really, really want some unity. Thank you so much for calling in the Andrew K show today. Matthew Boyle from Breitbart. Check out his stuff. All right. Thanks, Andrew. Okay. I am way behind on taking a break, but you know, when I got Matt on the line, I just got to keep chatting. So we're going to take a break. We come back. We're going to get into some business. I like to get into business on Tuesdays. So, you know, so what is so much that's been lost in all this is the fact that we are going up against a socialist. Regardless of who on the left gets the nomination, we are going up against a socialist and we better keep our eye on the ball in terms of what's going on economically and with business and be able to be persuasive with the voters out there if we want to win come November. This is the Andrea K Show. Be sure to stay tuned. we got more on the other side of the break. Be sure to follow Andrea Kay on Twitter at Andrea Kay Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea Kay, spelled K-A-Y-E. Want to start living better, longer? LaVita Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's best local pharmacy, LaVita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LaVitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990. I'm Nicole Donnelly, and for over 20 years, I've owned and managed Miramar Kitchen and Bath with one goal in mind, to offer great service and great value. Just listen to what our customers are saying. Service was excellent. Easy process, start to finish. We are really happy with our new bathroom. We've already talked to them about redoing our kitchen. They have our complete trust. Call Miramar Kitchen and Bath, 858-271-8434. Or visit my showroom, just one half block off Miramar Road on Commerce Avenue. Contractors license 657-333. Convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego-style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero. You're listening to the Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to the Andrea K Show. Glad to have you here with me. Hey, I'm going to transition into a little bit of some other topics here besides this GOP race, and I really wanted to have a good friend of mine who's going to start being a, a business and economics contributor to the Andrea K Show. He couldn't be with me today because he fell ill to a bug that's going around. We were going to tackle this minimum wage issue that's going on here in California today, as well as a new uh, government forced, you know, extension of the Family Leave Act, all of which is going to cost millions and millions of dollars here, as well as, you know, um, stifle job growth and job creation, because the left isn't doing anything to solve the actual problems in terms of what's going on with our economy. And this is going to be 
Right now, everybody on the right is fighting over, you know, Wifegate or, you know, how many, you know, campaign contributions Trump gave to somebody 20 years ago. And the reality is, is we face a socialist in November and we better start having a persuasive argument because when people are struggling to feed their kids and they're struggling to pay their bills, all this free stuff and all these, you know, government interventions on businesses sound really good to the American people who you think people don't have time or aren't investing enough time in understanding the rules at caucuses. Do you think the people are really out there understanding basic economic principles? They're not. Otherwise, the left could not have made the advances that they have, and, and, and particularly given the fact that the left is owning our education systems. They're owning our, our, our media. And they've successfully indoctrinated Americans into thinking that the solution to everything is just increasing taxes or increasing regulations on businesses and demanding more and more and more out of businesses. You look at what's going on with this minimum wage situation here in California. It may sound great. Oh, yeah, just rise it. You know, uh, everybody should have a living wage. It sounds great on a bumper sticker. Raise it from $10 an hour to 15 That $5 increase may not sound like much to you. But you, if it doesn't sound like much to you, it could be because you've never started a business. You don't know how low margin many businesses are. When this was first being floated, I interviewed, and I miss doing close-up on San Diego businesses. One of the reasons why I wanted to introduce more business into my show, because small business is the lifeblood of America. Everybody is so focused right now on Trump being this big business guy. And, and yes, he has done a phenomenal job growing his business, but he's a mega business owner now. The true lifeblood of America economics is the small business owner. And I loved interviewing them on Close Up on San Diego Business. And I had a restaurant group on who explained to me in detail, excruciating detail, as to what will happen to them just to go from a $10 hour minimum wage to a $12 hour minimum wage. It would basically put them out of business. That's the reality. And it's because it's a low margin business. It's because they would have to increase their uh, product, which is their food, to cover that increase. If they increased from $10 an hour to $12 an hour for wait staff or for, for this person here, then everybody up the food chain has to get an, has to get an increase. And you know what? That restaurant chain has already gone out of business since I did that interview because just the cost of increases alone in regulations, even prior to increasing this forced minimum wage increase has already put them out of business here in California. That's the reality of what's going on here. And now, there's there's more and more and more movements all over the place to increase regulations that will stifle business growth. Coming out of the Are You Kidding Me business segment is an article that I found that this is true, that in Marin County, which is, of course, by San Francisco, a Democrat, Assemblyman Mark Levine, is moving forward some legislation aimed at unionize. I mean, it sounds funny at first, unionizing models and having the Labor Commission regulate their bodies. Now, at first, it sounds kind of funny. Then you get into it and you think, oh, this guy, he just loves women so much. And he just is really concerned about what he calls the struggle of these poor models, these um, women who are just having to their horror stories of what they're having to go through um, in, in order to, you know, be, be able to stay models. He describes how they're having to eat orange juice soaked cotton balls and just all these horrific conditions. And, you know, he's just going to swoop in and, you know, save these women from themselves and from their choice of deciding to be supermodels. 
What it's really about when you get into this legislation, if you look at Assembly Bill 2539 and get into it, what's it really about? What is what is Mr. Levine really seeking? What he's really seeking is to try to get at a sector of the economy known as the gig economy and try to get it unionized. Because union membership has gone down to just 1.1 million out of the 38 million uh, Californians. It used to be 36, I think it was, it's gone down from like 36% of unionized labor here in California down to 1%. So what basically the unions are looking around to see what aspect of the economy can we go into and try to take it over and try to unionize it and, and break the backs of businesses, that, which, which what this would do, this would impact theatrical talent modeling agencies like the two that I'm associated with. I'm telling you, my agent in San Diego, this will put her out of business. I, I, one of the reasons why I got out of corporate sales and got into doing what I'm doing was because I, I, have my, I make my own schedule. I get this gig here and this gig there. It's a day or two of work, and then I'm done with it, and then I can go about my life. I'm an independent contractor. I'm a free agent. I love that. And here comes along this guy, Levine, who's trying to interfere with my life and my gig as part of the gig economy, just to benefit himself, just so that they can try to take over talent agencies and regulate them and get more money into the coffers of the unions, which in turn is really just about putting more money into the coffers of of the Democrat Party. It's what it's always about. It's about manufacturing victims. And here, they, the, the victims that they're manufacturing are women. Now, I'd, I'm not the kind of model that walks a runway that he's talking about here that has to eat, you know, orange-soaked cotton balls in order to stay thin. But I am a print model. This is part of what I do. I do print. I do on camera. I do. This affects me right here. If he gets his way and this gets passed, and he maintain, he's successful in his struggle, because the struggle he cares about here is about power. Power for the unions and power for the party. If he's successful here, then I'm going to be forced to either leave the business or pay union dues and have my money go to Democrats. Because this struggle is what it's always about. The struggle is about, for liberals, it's about maintaining power. Power and control. This is outrageous. Speaking of outrageous, my next segment actually is incredibly controversial, although I'm not really sure why. You know, when I when I, I talked to my next guest, who's actually calling in anonymous today, I'm going to call her Jane Doe. Um, to me, it's actually kind of a story that I've covered in the past in, in regards to some legislation that was put forth, forth here in California, something that involves control, control over parents. Um, it was something that was really near and dear to me, and I was really disappointed that those of us who were fighting this legislation lost. Uh, my good friend, Elisa Brent, was active at the, at the, on the ground involving this. Um, I didn't really see it as controversial as it's become. It's become so controversial that it's affected a film festival in New York City. So controversial that, you know, people are having to hide in the shadows in terms of their opinion. So Jane Doe, my anonymous guest, is on the line to, to talk to us about this. And then I want you guys to tell me on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter at Andrea K. Show. You're friends with me on Facebook. Go to my website. Give me your thoughts and, and your comments on this. Jane Doe, welcome to the Andrea K. Show. Hi, thank you for having me. Okay, so um, actually, for my longtime Andrea K. Show listeners, I, this is actually not just um, a political segment, a cultural pop cultural segment. This is also kind of replacing my entertainment Della B segment today because this actually has a Hollywood entertainment element to it. Um, Jane, there was a movie called Vaxed that um, became very controversial in New York and um, 
what's his name? One of my favorite actors from The Godfather was involved. Robert De Niro got involved in this. Tell everybody what happened with with this movie, Vax, what it's about, why it became controversial, and why Robert De Niro got involved. Yeah, so this is very interesting. Um, Interesting timing on this as well, just because the, the legislation in California passed last year, as we all know, um, obviously, you know, in in uh, favor of government wanting to control parents and the decisions they made for their children, this movie, Vax, is about um, a whistleblower from the CDC named William Thompson, who came forward in 2014 with documents that he had saved, uh, original documents that he had saved from a study that was completed in 2004 that revealed a highly statistical significant relationship between um, the MMR vaccine and autism. Now, isn't that what, excuse me for interrupting, isn't that what Jenny mm-hmm. McCarthy has been talking about and others for years? Yes. Okay. Yes. So that, what, what's going on in the press is the media gets a hold of this and, and the press is, is continually saying that the, this um, theory has been debunked, the relationship between autism and the MMR vaccine. Um, there are, what's interesting about that is this study um, specifically refutes that debunked, de- debunked theory. And um, this is evidence that has been, that the CDC, if, if it had gotten out, the CDC would have been um, horrified. So this is the evidence. The movie is about this evidence. The movie shows exactly what happened, how it happened, and it's a very clear, um, factual movie. Now, what's interesting about this is it's not, um, this, this movie is not about vaccines per se in terms of the entire vaccine world and being anti-vax. And that's another thing the media has gotten a hold of is they think this, me- this movie is about the anti-vaccination movement. Ironically, all these people are in this movie and who produced this movie have vaccinated their kids. They are all for pro, you know, for vaccines. They just want them to be safe. Right. So um, this movie, because it's on this press coverage, um, the Tribeca Film Festival, which is one of the biggest festivals in the world, who Robert De Niro um, it runs, um, allowed this movie to be entered into the film festival. And within 24 hours, the media firestorm against this film was so huge and we think, and there are some theories that um, some big sponsors have gotten involved, threatening to pull their um, funding if he didn't remove it from the festival. Mm-hmm. So 24 hours later, he did remove it from the festival and said basically he didn't want to fight that fight right now, but he still agrees with the movie. Interestingly, okay. so um, anyways, it's ca- caused a huge, huge controversy um, all over the media, and now there are independent theaters around the U.S. wanting to pick it up. It's currently playing in New York at the Angelica Theater, which is right down the street from Tribeca Film Festival. Um, and then it's going to actually be coming to San Diego on April 22nd uh, at the Angelica Film Fest Center on Carmel Mountain Road. So this is a movie, If you, it, I think the information in this movie is so pertinent and relevant for all parents and everyone, really. But for parents to really go see this, I think it would be it would be. Um, very beneficial for people to see this. Well, uh, yeah, because you know what? When we were doing reports on the show here in the Andrea K. Show with Elisa Brent about the the uh, forced vaccination requiring parents get get their children vaccinated according to you know um, the vaccination plans or not be allowed education. Everybody that I knew that was involved in it was not anti-vaccination. They were pro-parental control and having parents yes. have the right to make those decisions for them for their children because there is um, there's been a lot of issues surrounding the vaccinations and injuries. Mm-hmm. Now, what can you tell me about this, um, the National Vaccine Injury Compensation Fund? Because when you first mentioned that to me, I hadn't heard of this. Yeah. So interestingly, no one, the, the doctors don't tell you about this when they, when they offer you, you know, offer your children five vaccine, vaccines in one visit. 
Um, this was set up in 1986 as a way for pharma companies. The government wanted to motivate companies to create vaccines. So in order to motivate them to create vaccines, they wanted to give them no liability if there was a vaccine injury related to a specific vaccine that they made. So what they did is they set up this fund. Every vaccine that you get is, is charged about 75 cents per vaccine, and it goes into this fund. And this fund is to compensate people who are injured from vaccines. It has given to date since 1986, it's given out $3.1 billion in compensation to vaccine injured kids and adults. Wow. Um, and the CDC itself in their own documents estimate that only one to 10% of adverse events are actually even reported and actually even go towards this fund to get compensated for. So, so the estimate is that the $3.1 billion is a very low number. If people had really, if everyone had gone forward to this fund to get compensated for their injuries, we think it would be much higher. Well, it's so, also hard um, to determine what the injury is because if, if well, yeah. from, from a lot of parents that I've talked to, it's the, the, an injury or it's so vague because they'll have something surface maybe a couple of weeks later and they'll take their child to the doctor and they're misdiagnosed. So it's yeah. hard to connect the dots so many well, times, this, right? Yeah, this is very, this is what, this is kind of what this movement is fighting for. It's, it's fighting for people to, for the companies and for, for there to be an independent investigation of vaccines as a whole and, and as on the schedule that they are recommended by the CDC. So right, um, generally when you do a safety study for vaccines, the safety, the, it's covered, the safety study really goes in depth maybe for about five, week, five days to three weeks after a vaccine is given. The mm-hmm. problem is we don't have any safety studies comparing what a vaccinated kid versus an unvaccinated kid, first of all. Secondly, we don't have any studies to look at the whole schedule of vaccines that we're giving currently. So they study one vaccine at a time. So they study, for example, the MMR vaccine. Let's give one kid an MMR vaccine versus, you know, and then give another kid a placebo, which is actually, the placebo is actually the ingredients of the vaccine that are, they just don't have the viral component, but they have the aluminum or the mercury or whatever else is in the vaccine. So they compare it like that, but they don't compare, okay, let's give MMR vaccine, DTaP, rotavirus, HIV, all on the same day, and then see what happens. That has not been studied. Right. So, so we're loading up our kids. So in addition to them getting more vaccines every year than they have, they're getting a combination that's not being tested. Exactly. And that's what people are fighting for. And to me, that is very, it's a very logical, um, a very uh, understandable thing that you want to be proven before you give all these vaccines that, that they're recommending all at once. Um, in the order they're recommending. And, and for example, for me, I have vaccinated, I've, I've vaccinated my son. I've given him about half the vaccine he, he needs. Um, but I just, I'm not comfortable doing it all before he's two years old. So um, I'm spreading mine out a little bit. Now, you know, there's no studies on that, but to me, it feels more comfortable to do it that way. Right, so because when I look at study, this, right, excuse me for interrupting, because when I look at the some information here in terms of number of doses recommended by age six, um, it between 72 and 1988, it was 23. Um, number of dosage per current um, is 49. Mm-hmm. And, and actually by, age, by age 18, it's 69. That's such so, a huge amount. It's it, like, good yeah. grief. I mean, when I was a kid, it's like we got vaccinated for polio and measles. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that now was kind of it. it. Yeah. Now it's like everything. You can't convince mm-hmm. me that there's not a problem going on. No wonder there's $3.1 billion been spent out for injuries and we're not doing the studies. And I am crazy passionate about children and dogs. 
We mm-hmm. need to be doing more. Why are we not studying the impact and what's going on with this? I mean, I, I actually did another report on my, my show about the right to try bill because there's people dying because they're being told that they're not allowed to try uh, what could maybe save their life. These are people with terminal illnesses. So on the one hand, we're telling these people that might be dying of cancer, you know what? We don't think this this drug that hasn't been fully approved yet by the FDA, you're, you know, out of protecting your life that may be over in six weeks, you're not allowed to take that. Meanwhile, we're going to load up our kids doing no studies as to the impact. We're going to load them up with 69 vaccinations by the time they're 18 with no studies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People, please, I got to leave it there. I'm out of time. Thank you, Jane Doe, for calling in. The movie is vaxxed. Where can they see it? Uh, the Carmel uh, Angelica Film Center on Carmel Island Road. It starts on April 22nd, and tickets will go on sale soon, I believe. So All I right. just just keep checking the website. Thanks. And those of you who are listening nationally, Google and see where you can see it in your local area. Let's get informed and let's take care of our kids. I know everybody's focused right now on Trump and Cruz and all this politics as they should be. But this is really important because this all goes to the government, the Centers for Disease Control. This is a government institution, and we need to be aware of everything that's going on in our lives. Thank you so much for being here, Jane Doe. Thank you. All right. I'm going to take a quick break. We come back. We got to talk a little war on terror. We're also going to talk a little business, a little GOP, not GOP, (laughs) 401ks and the government accounts. This is the Andrea K Show. Stay tuned. Want more Andrea K? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea K Show and like her Facebook page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too. Do you struggle with the day to day management of your business? Proteus takes the pain out of the business process management by providing you a complete system for efficiency, automation, continuity. Proteus is business solution that wraps itself around your business and grows with you. Gone are the days of multiple programs and systems for sales, inventory, customer management, and financial reporting. Proteus serves your business every day, all day, and revolutionizes the way you do business. Visit us today to see how Proteus can assist you online at www.proteuserp.com or call today, 877-749-3533. Fresh Healthy Vending, the nation's largest healthy vending company, is looking for locations in this area to place its latest innovation. A fresh, healthy micromarket at absolutely no cost to your business. A fresh, healthy micromarket is like a mini health food store for your office break room. Choose from breakfast meals, fresh salads, wraps, hot meals, smoothies, cold-pressed juices, and more, all at a convenient self-checkout kiosk. Now you can offer your employees exactly what they want. All natural, healthy, fresh, and organic foods. Fuel productivity and creativity, decrease absenteeism, and increase morale. Fresh Healthy Vending is offering the first 20 offices that sign up $250 cash and 15% of the net profits each micromarket generates each month. For free information about this exciting and healthy opportunity, visit freshandhealthy.org to request your free machine. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. On the boats and on the planes. 
America. Aww. Welcome back to the Andrea K Show. That reminds me of my buddy, La Manche Montserrat. Emma's in Mary. O-N-S-E-R-R-A-T. That's how she always spells her name. She loves her some Neil Diamond. Um, coming to America. You know what? Um, there's, a, there's an American who might wish she had stayed in America. In fact, I've got a couple travel-related stories for you because I'm, I'm excited. I'm actually going to Vegas this coming weekend. Got a little business to take care of over there. So anyway, I'm a little confused, though, as to this American um, who's in Dubai as to really what she was jailed for. So anyway, this this 25-year-old American woman was in court on Monday on a misdemeanor charges for allegedly, this is according to the Daily Star of Lebanon, allegedly insulting the United Arab Emirates in public while waiting for a taxi at the Abu Dhabi International Airport. Um, the National, which is a government-owned newspaper, which we're kind of almost getting there ourselves here, aren't we, in terms of government-controlled media. Anyway, they report that this woman um, was under arrest. I guess the story is she was waiting for a taxi at the airport when two men came up to her and spoke to her in a manner she didn't like. I don't know what that means. Um, it says that she refused to engage with them and nothing happened. So I, I don't know what she was charged for. But then again, if you understand what happens in these Muslim countries, women get stoned to death for being victims of rape. So I guess reading between the lines, what happened is, is this woman standing there minding her own business. Two men come up to her and start mouthing off and she gets arrested. This is, this is the culture that is being brought here to America. I say Americans, you know, I just saw a great episode of, you know, Housewives of Beverly Hills. It looks all fabulous over there. Dubai just looks all screaming and, you know, gorgeous or whatever. But, you know, one of the housewives was panicked that one of the one of the other ones was going to cuss and get them all arrested. Hey, you know what? I ain't going to Dubai. I don't care how fabulous the mall is there. You know what's fabulous to me? Freedom. You know what's fabulous to me? Judeo-Christian principles, not Islam. That's what's fabulous to me. I tell you what's not fabulous to me, though. Another thing that's not fabulous to me is the uh, expansion of government, including the Department of Homeland Security, can't even hardly say it, and their TSA. Here's the, here's the latest from uh, the organization that has not caught a single terrorist. In fact, when undercover agents, according to this article, when undercover government agents tried to sneak fake bombs through, the TSA missed 60 to 75%. Private security guards only missed about 20%. Who brought us the Department of Homeland Security and the TSA? W. Who campaigned like a conservative and governed like a Democrat. And yeah, I'm going to call him out on it, even though, oh, he's so revered. You know, we're not, we're not allowed to, oh my gosh, Trump criticized Bush. How could he do that? Well, because everybody's human and every political efficient, official, current, past, or future needs to be inspected, objectively inspected, no emotional attachment. That's who brought us this. What's the latest coming out of the TSA, which has cost us, I don't know how many gazillion dollars. They've purchased, this is, this is for our safety, mind you. They've purchased an iPad app, which is going to randomly display. <laughs> it's so stupid. I can't even tell the story without laughing. It's going to display a giant arrow randomly randomly displaying a giant arrow right or left for $1.4 million. A ra- an app is going to randomly point an arrow. <laughs> this is where we're at in our country. 
crazy. I tell you, where else we're at in terms of the expansion of government and complete control over our lives? This is the Andrea K. Show on AIM 1170, The Answer. Um, you thought Obamacare was bad? You know, it's always about regulations are always about control. Rules are about control. Social engineering. It's all about wanting to amass more and more and more control to a centralized government. That's what that story was about with the models. It went about the struggle of some model supposedly eating orange juice soaked cotton balls. It's about control to a centralized power, in that case, the unions. Now we've got what many of us suspected was going to happen. Um, We've got new Obama Obama regulations that are going to be coming out at the end of his reign as president that will push to privatize retirement savings account into government accounts. You see, it's just it's not enough to come after our personal property, our income every time we turn around and every place we can. That ain't enough. It wasn't enough that they forced Social Security on us for our benefit. And and if we, if we're lucky enough to get a dime when I retire, I will be lucky to get 75 cents on the dollar when I could have done a heck of a lot better on my own. But, you know, it's all about taking care of us for the, our struggle. When the, What the struggle is always about is it's about centralized power to them. That's what this is about. They want their hands on our money. And it's going to go down just like... Obamacare. The new Department of Labor says uh, that their so-called fiduciary rule uh, will force financial advisors to act in the best interest of the clients. Well, by force, right? Because that's what a centralized power does. Everything by force and by their rules. The best interest as determined by who? By centralized government. Anybody out there? Trust in the government, the government who's led us into $17 trillion in debt, and that's who we're supposed to now give even more of our money to? On top of our social security, what labor, and this article is from Katie Pavlik from townhall.com. She's got some great insight here. She says what labor doesn't say is that the rule carries such enormous potential legal liability and demands and sets such a high standard of care that many advisors will shun non-affluent accounts, just like Obamacare. You know, because that's what liberalism always does. It always hurts the ones that it's supposedly trying to help because all it really does is give more control to a centralized power. That's what this is about. So you're going to have concierge financial planners. You're going to have middle income investors are going to be forced to look elsewhere. They're, they're, you know, just like, you know, what ends up happening with Obamacare is that the middle and the poor people are going to get shoved or shoved into these, you know, government controlled exchanges. Don't have the doctor of their choice going to get worse care if they even get care. Because you can have an Obama insurance card and not have access to a to a doctor, so now we're going to have people not have you know not they're not going to be saving they're going to be saving less so they just like they're going to get less medical care under Obamacare now they're going to be saving less they're going to become more dependent on the government nobody's going to be helped by this except the Democrat Party or and maybe even the Republican Party. I'm not hearing one Republican talking about this right now. I'm not hearing this from Cruz, and I'm not hearing it from Trump, and I'm not hearing it from Kasich. This is the kind of stuff that we better be talking about. Our, our, you know, our candidates need to be talking about this because I'm telling you, the Democrats, Bernie and Hillary, they're going to be spinning this. They're going to be spinning this to their advantage. You know, it's all about the safety net. It's all about Karen. And what's also going to end up happening that Katie points out Katie Pavlich points out in terms of what the obvious outcome is going to be is that they're going to be taking money, raiding people's private retirement accounts to pay for other programs. I mean, is there anybody out there who actually believes that if they take over your 401k, they're just going to be in a savings account drawing interest somewhere? No, they're going to be spending it for their green energy boondoggles or whatever it is they want or, you know, Michelle's vacations. 
or to send it to the Muslim Brotherhood around the world or continue to give billions of dollars every year to Pakistan. That's that's where this kind of stuff is going to go. Or one point four billion dollars for apps to point arrows. While we bring more people like the woman from the San Bernardino terrorist who came here from after studying at a madrasa. You want an arrow pointed? Let's point some arrows at some mosques. Let's point some arrows at the Koran. You want to keep us safe. Let's point some arrows around the world and say, okay, over here, you ain't coming here from there. You over here, anybody from there, you ain't coming here. That's what we need to do. And point the arrow at D.C. Hey, D.C., you're not coming into my wallet anymore. Enough. Enough is enough. And you unions... Stay out of, stay out of the workplace. Stay out of the gig economy. People have a right. And they, they're going after Uber. Now they want to go after models. Um, last story here, if, if I have time, hopefully I have time to get it in because, um, you know, um, the Alliance Defending Freedom and Ju- Judicial Watch has filed a motion in federal court. Talk about getting into our pocketbooks and getting into our lives. Um, what, did the G- what has the GOP done with the IRS scandal? Well, now Judicial Watch is trying to compel the IRS to reveal how it determines when to initiate church investigations after accusing the tax collecting agency of stonewalling efforts to bring to light its procedures. Um, Cruz says is that uh, part of the his platform is religious freedom. I'm not hearing him talk about this. The IRS, according to this article here, Judicial Watch, the IRS has adopted procedures for reviewing, evaluating, and determining whether to initiate church investigations. Uh, actually, the Freedom from Religious uh, for Religion Foundation said in a press release. But nobody knows what these procedures are. What are they for? How are they going to be launching these church investigations? This is Where's the Republican Party in this? And also, keyword church investigations, not mosque investigations. See, we specifically aren't going into mosques and investigating anything that's going on there. The IRS is not above the law, although I guess Lois Lerner is. Any of those people involved in the IRS scandal so far, any of them lose their job, let alone get arrested? No. Trey Gowdy was such a disappointment to me because that little, talk about a watchdog. Everybody thought, you know, oh, Trey Gowdy, man, he was going to hold everybody to account with all these hearings he's had from the IRS scandal to Benghazi. To fast and furious, nothing. Just a whole lot of barking. Ain't no bite going on there. Nobody being held accountable for anything. These are some of the issues that we need to be talking more about amongst ourselves as voters, evaluating our candidates on the basis of some of these stories and some of these bigger issues that are going on, instead of you know just constantly hounding each other back and forth as to this person gave these campaign contributions here and you know this person over here, you know honestly whether or not he had an affair, you know some of this stuff is just nonsense to me at this point. So anyway, I love you all. Let's keep this conversation rolling. Tell me. Whether or not I'm right or wrong to be concerned about these issues today, follow me on Twitter at Andrea K. Show. Friend me on Facebook. Go to my website. Let me know what you think there. Please go see that movie, Vaxxed. Let's think about some bigger issues that are going on out there. We need to be taking care of our children. Have a great night, everybody. Have a great week. This is Andrea K. Love you all. If you feel like that's what you want to do, here come bad news talking this and that. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.